All right, good morning once again. For those of you that may not have been in here, about half the room filled up since we started the service. So glad all of you are here. And um, my name is John. I'm the pastor here. And if you, as you came in, if you did come in during the music, you got a connection card um, that's attached to that little one sheet you got when you came. And we'd love if you'd fill that out um, sometime during the service, particularly if it's your first time here. And we are doing baptism next week. So we would love, if you haven't been baptized, you can do that next week. We've got a hot tub on hand. So it will be warm, okay? It's gonna be, it's gonna be good. So um, if you haven't been baptized, you can do that next week. Just make sure you write that down somewhere. Send me an email, a text, put it on a connection card, whatever you need to do. Um, but we got a special treat today. Um because uh, I'm actually not going to be preaching, which I know you're probably really excited about. I'm glad um, that usually would be followed with a cheer. But anyway, um, I'm not preaching today. We're finishing up our series, You Asked For It. And um, I wanted, we've got a guy here at our church who, um, you may not know this, you may have seen him on stage, you may have seen him around, you may not know that he actually has a degree in ministry. He was a pastor for years and um, and uh, now he's, he's from this area, and he now has a farm and flies all over the world with a camera, shooting amazing things. Um, his name is Jeremy Sides. If you haven't had a chance to meet him, he's become a good friend over the last year or so. And so he's going to be bringing the last message in the series to us. So let's give him a warm welcome to the stage, and make sure you laugh at all of his jokes, too. So. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> I didn't know he knew that much about me. A uh, little bit. I'm going to fill in a little bit more space real quick. I grew up right down the road. I'm a local boy. Um, I went to church right down the road and felt a calling when I was a young man to be in the ministry. And guess what? That wasn't going to happen. I don't want to have anything to do with that because the church I went to, the ministers I saw, I just, I didn't want to be that guy. And uh, I ran from it, went to school for engineering, got out of there, got a job, hated it. Lord was like, I'm not going to let you be happy. You're not going to be happy till you come back. And through some other circumstances in my life, I went to school, wasted a bunch of money on an engineering degree, and, uh, which I only use at home trying to tell my wife how to build stuff. All right, that's all I do with it. But anyway, went to school in Florida, uh, got my pastoral degree, and then in between that time and right now, I was a minister, done some other things, met my lovely wife, who pretty much runs everything. So I don't have to, and I immediately had a 15-year-old son, so I'm in that boat too, right? So that's a, a little bit about me. All right, you asked for it. How to get up when life gets you down. Let me tell you something. I have prepared a lot of messages. This was the toughest, because a lot of times when we're preparing a message to deliver to you guys, it doesn't all affect us, right? Not the whole thing. Like We don't deal with all of it. I deal with all of this stuff, stress, anxiety, depression, worry, all of it affects me. So every time I come up with a point and figure out how to fix it, I move on to the next one and God be like, nope, that's you, bam. It's like, all right, now I'm depressed again. So now I have to take these points and figure out how to get undepressed, then move on to the next one. All right, worry, bam. All right, well, now I'm worried about being depressed. Okay, it was, it was a tough one. It was, because we all struggle with this stuff, every one of them, which is why it is the most voted for, right? There's a reason why, because it is killing us, and we can't get out of it. When I was 15, to a Christian school, normal day, was in class, knock on the door, <laughs> vice principal, six or head in the door, 
I need to see Jeremy, which is not abnormal, okay? Let me just tell you. It didn't surprise me. I'm like, okay, whatever. Walk out the door. There's a, uh, I think my homeroom teacher was out there with her. I don't really remember, but what happened next was a game changer for me. The rest of my life changed in that second. The vice principal and my, probably my homeroom teacher began to tell me that my dad had cancer. My mom had called and said, please go get him. I'm coming to get him to take him home. Game changer. As a 15-year-old, I didn't know what was going on. I did not know how to handle that. I had not been prepared. The church I went to never said, this is how you go through these steps. Let me tell you, everything that you have, everything you voted for, all these things I experienced immediately. Most of all was anger. I was ticked off because my dad was the man. Every time the seats were, the doors were open at the church, he had us in those seats. He didn't cuss. He didn't drink. He was a music minister. I did not understand how God could let that happen to somebody like that. And we went back and forth. Chemo, radiation, He's doing better. He's not doing better. He's doing better. He's not doing better. I just needed somebody to help me, and there was nobody there for me. So I internalized all that and just became angry. Let me tell you something. There's things we can do to take care of that. God has given us a way to handle that. Now, before we get into the why, let me tell you a little bit about, I'm sorry, before we get into the how, let me tell you a little bit about the why. Because in that circumstance, I just wanted to blame God. And it's not his fault. It's not his fault. So in the beginning, he created everything, right? All this stuff, created all of it for us. And he created a man and woman in his image, perfect. And he wanted an authentic relationship. And by that, I mean he wanted a father-child relationship was someone that he could mentor, could love unconditionally, and that, and that we chose to love him in return. And there's the key, choice. Okay? He had to create choice. So he created two trees. Now, we'll get, uh, sometimes we hear the, the words of all this stuff, and it's like, tree of garden of knowledge of evil and something. Don't worry about that. Okay? He created two trees. One was a tree of life. Basically, it gave you life. That's what it says. The other one we're going to call a tree of death because it will kill you. And he said, just don't eat this tree. You can have everything else. Just don't eat this tree. Okay? We got one tree we can't eat. Got one more problem. Guess who? The devil, right? That's a problem. See, the devil was the highest angel, was the best one. And he got proud. And tried to take over, and God said, Ow, get out. <laughs> Kicked him down here. Well, now we got to deal with him. And you know what his sole purpose is? It's to wreck that relationship. He wanted to destroy it. That is his goal, is to take kids away from the father. That's, what he wants. That's all he wants to do. So here is my best interpretation of that uh, happening. Here comes Eve, right? She's walking through the garden. Like this. I don't know if it's like this or not, but this is what she's doing. And the devil is in the tree of death as a snake. So she's walking up, right? The devil says, hey, girl, 
I don't know why in my, in my head he's Ryan Gosling. I have no idea why. <laughs> hey, girl. Okay, time out for a second. Is anybody bothered that this is a talking snake? Does that bother anybody but me? Because half the time when you read this thing, you have more questions than you do answers. I don't know. Apparently, a talking snake is normal in the Garden Eden, and that stopped after all that happened. I have no idea. I'll check the tape when I get up there. All right? So here's the devil. What you doing? He said, well, I was trying, I'm just hungry. Walking through here trying to get a snack. Why don't you come eat at this tree, devil said. Uh, that looks like the, the tree of death. Is that the tree of death? I don't know why they put some caution tape around it or something. Like, you don't know this is a tree. Like, this is the tree that'll kill you. You should stay away from it. Put some, like, build some sticks. All right? Just put something around it. Devil's in it. Why aren't you eating this tree? God said it would kill us. No. No. He's lying. He's lying. This tree, called the tree of knowledge of good and evil, will actually make you as smart as God. He just doesn't want you to be as smart as he is. And for some reason, she said, okay. And you know those, uh, those drug commercials that for 15 seconds talk about how good the drug is while the people are playing, having a uh, cookout, you know, flipping burgers. Grandpa's back there. He got some medicine to make him dance. You know, he's doing good, <laughs> right? And then for 45 seconds, the voiceover says all the things that will happen if you take this pill. And they're still back there just dancing around. <laughs> really awkward, but they have to do it, right? So here in whatever voice you think God is, I think uh, Charlton Heston, James Earl Jones, I don't know, whoever you think God sounds like, this is the voiceover that comes on after she eats the fruit. Uh, this fruit of death will cause worry, stress, anger, depression, addiction, insecurity, betrayal, pain during childbirth. Eve, come on now, right? I haven't experienced that, but I think that was a pretty tough one, right? And ultimately, death. And he says, okay, let's eat it. Let's take it to Adam and let him eat it too. And then guess what? You have the first experience with all these things. Because immediately, they know what they did. And they start to worry. What's God going to think? They start to stress. They start having anxiety. They start getting depressed. They hide from God. And that's the why. All right, there's the why. It's not God's fault. He had to create choice to have this relationship, and we busted it. We broke it. That authentic relationship is our fault that it's broken. God didn't do it. God just wanted us to be able to choose him. For real. If he wouldn't have done that, we'd have just been robots. So let's talk about the why, okay? And before we talk about the why, I need to have a little bit of a disclaimer. Okay, I'm not a doctor, all right? In uh, small groups, plug, go to small groups. In a couple small groups, we learn about this bell curve. It literally looks like a bell, right? I'm going to talk about some things. If I do this, that means the stuff inside the bell curve, okay? Everything positive and negative, emotionally, any thought you have is inside this bell curve. Some of that stuff comes out here. And what I mean by that is some anxiety you can handle, some depression you can choose. Some of that stuff you can't. You need to go to a doctor to see that. I am not a doctor. If we go through this stuff and you still have a problem, you might need to go to talk to somebody. Let me, let me tell you something. Go talk to somebody. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, come talk to us. We'll find out how we can put you in that place. But I can't talk about that stuff. That's a bucket list. I'm not a doctor. I probably will never get there, but maybe. I'm just tired of doing homework, man. 
I can't write stuff anymore. I'm, I am tired. The doctors, a lot. I've checked into it. So we're going to talk about this stuff, okay? So when I say this, that's the stuff you have a choice over. Back to the how-to. This thing right here, this is a practical book. It is a how-to book. If you go out of here and don't read anything in here, don't apply any of this to your life, it will not help you, okay? You cannot put this under your pillow at night and sleep under it and help it just osmosis something into your brain. Trust me, I struggled with this message. I tried it last night just to make sure. Okay, I put this under my pillow and I said, Lord, please just let this sleep. Let me be wrong. I'll not say that. It didn't work. I woke up early and stressed, okay? And had to apply this stuff to my life. And now I'm trying to get through this 30 minutes so I can stop talking about it. There's a guy in here by the name of Paul. I know we've all heard about Paul. There's a reason why. I need to credential him a little bit because I'm going to read some scripture that has to do, that, well, that helps us figure out these points that I'm going to give you to help you get through this stuff. And they're from Paul. So I'm going to credential him real quick. Paul was the Christian of all Christians, okay? He was a superhero. He was a superstar, the rock star of Christians. If he was here today, Billy Graham would have worked for him right? That's, uh, that's the deal. If he had a church down the road, everybody would leave elevation and go to that one. Okay? That's the deal. We still all be here, but the, oh, those guys would go to this, his church. All right? That was Paul. Paul was the greatest at persecuting us. And then when God turned around, he became the greatest at being us. He's the guy that comes sitting here beside you and whatever you're doing, he'd do better than you. He's that guy. A really annoying guy, right? We've all experienced one of those guys. Like, I'm doing something, and he comes in, and he just starts doing it better than me. It's like, you don't even know what I'm doing. I don't care. I'm doing it better than you. That's Paul. So when I talk about something he wrote, I mean, he wrote half of the New Testament. He knows what he's talking about, okay? That is his credential list. And saying that, I'm going to read this. If you want to turn 2 Corinthians 11, 24 to 28, it's probably in the app, too. Right? I've never done this before with the app, so it's in there, I guess. And as soon as I can find it, under this light up here with my, my glasses on, here's what it says. Five times I received at the hand of the Jews 40 lashes. Less one, I guess that means 39. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Quick math. That's why I don't have my doctor. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times shipwrecked. A night and a day adrift in the sea. Frequent journeys in danger from rivers, I was danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the sea. He's in danger pretty much everywhere he went. He was in danger, right? In toil and hardship, sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and in exposure, it means he was, didn't have any clothes. He, he went through it, right? If being that kind of Christian means you have to go through that stuff, I don't know that I won't do that, right? I would have stopped at the first lashing. Like, no, nah, I'm good. But he didn't. At one point, he lost his best friend over something. We don't know what it is. He had a, he had a fight with his best friend, and they split ways. On that, uh, he told me, actually, Pastor John told me, that when he was shipwrecked on that island, he was just sitting there with the whole crew, shipwrecked on this island, and the snake just walked up and bit him. He's just like, all right, that sounds about right. Right? This is Paul's life. Paul went through some stuff. 
and came out shining on the other side. So when he says something, we can believe it. All right, back to this book. This book is a how-to, but it's not a self-help book, meaning that you can come in here and learn how to do things, but you don't have to do them by yourself. It's a God-help book. It's a God-help book. God wants to help you by giving you his word and then giving himself to you to help you get through this stuff. So God-help tool number one, the Holy Spirit GPS. The Holy Spirit's job in this world is to lead you through it. That is its job. It is a part of God in us if you have it. And let me tell you this real quick. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you don't have a clue what I'm talking about, some of you may not, I'll get you there. Hold on. Wait till the end. It's going to be good. Okay? Some of you may have had the Holy Spirit and you don't hear him anymore. That's a problem. Because without the Holy Spirit, you don't know what God's trying to tell you. You don't know where he's trying to lead you. Before I got married, I had a, a good job, but it was one of those jobs that's fun, right? They don't pay much. And part of my paycheck was a little house. It was 100 years old in the middle of a 50-acre field in Davidson, okay, in the middle of Davidson. No heat and air, but for a single guy, it was fantastic. But that's not good for my wife, okay? If you turn on a hairdryer in the bathroom, it blows the microwave up. That's the kind of place it, that's the kind of place it was, right? So I had to look for another job, and God opened the door, and I went to it. Good job, made better money, then I got a promotion, making good money, money I'd never made before. And then I started working like a dog, and they started taking advantage of me. And the Holy Spirit said, I, I know it. He said, you need to leave. Now, GPS was telling me to turn left, and I was turning right, and it was trying to redirect me. And I was like, nope. I'm going over here. You know why? Because I was scared, man. I got a good job. I got a good job that's paying me good money. It's allowing us to have nice things. And it made me feel important. I was afraid. I was afraid of what would happen if I, I left that job. So I didn't. I stayed there. And the Holy Spirit, GPS, is screaming at me, you got to, you idiot, turn left. Like, nope, turn right. And guess what? I went through times where I worked like 40-some days straight. I don't know what it was. I, and during that time, I was traveling. I was never home. My relationship with my wife suffered. My relationship with my kids suffered. My relationship with church suffered because I wasn't in there. Because I was afraid to listen to the Holy Spirit. He was screaming at me. And then finally, my wife screamed at me and said, either you do it or we're doing something else. And I said, okay, I'm doing it. And the Holy Spirit says, thank you, about time. Sorry I had to get your wife involved, but you weren't listening to me. <laughs> right? And I'm standing here today because of it. Listen, all that stuff in here, all that stuff in this space comes from two things. Because the positive and the negative are in there. Positive comes from love. Negative comes from fear. All that stuff, most of it. Okay, there's still some stuff out here. But it can be traced back to a spirit of love or a spirit of fear. Having said that, let's see what Paul had to say about it, right? 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Spirit is not of fear. It's of love. Guess what? You start listening to that Holy Spirit GPS, start getting involved with that thing, that love will start to grow. It'll start pushing that fear out. All those negative thoughts, I'm going to come back to that. Remember that. All those negative thoughts will take on positive thoughts. 
And that fear starts to be pushed out because the fear is not from God. So the more God you get, the less fear you're going to have. Okay? That's number one. The how-to. Get your Holy Spirit GPS. Number two. The how-to. God help tool. Number two. Fast to pray. Okay. I know I just lost half of you. Oh, honey, he's talking about praying and fasting again. I know. We like to eat, man. I love to eat. I mean, the only time I'm not thinking about food is when I'm eating. And then I'm depressed because I have to wait so long to eat again. You ever been in here when we tear down? If you're not a part of the teardown team, come experience it. I mean, it's just flat. Like you can walk to the back and get hit by a cart. You got tables coming out. Because guess what? That's the only thing keeping us from food. We want to eat. I'm hungry. But you don't have to fast just food, okay? The reason they fast food so much in the Bible is because that's all they had. They walk around, talk to each other, and eat. That's all they did. So when they fasted something, that's the only thing they could look around and find and they could take away from. But they didn't fast just to fast. Here's the point. It says fast to pray, not fast and pray. Fasting allows you to focus on God because it, in that time where you will be doing something that you are fasting from, you replace it with something that focuses you on God, like prayer. Some of you aren't real good at praying. I get it, man. Praying's tough. You pray for two minutes, you think you're praying for 20. It's actually two. But I, I, was, I thought, I went into a closet when I was in the seminary. I had to, <laughs> I went through a class like this, like teaching you how to pray. First time I did it, I said, you got to go in a dark place. So I got my closet, started praying. Prayed for everything I could pray for twice. Came out five minutes. I had to pray for an hour. It's like, I don't know what to do. But if you take that time, like a car ride to work or your lunch break, if you take that time and do something in there that focuses you on God, mostly prayer, that's a direct line of communication with God. It'll start growing that GPS, that Holy Spirit. Because praying, what does it do? It lines your will up with God's will. And the more you communicate with him, the more that Holy Spirit comes up, the more those positive thoughts come in, start drowning out that fear. I know you're saying, Jeremy, what does that have to do with all this stuff? I'm getting there. Hold on. It's going to get good, okay? Just hold on a second. All right, Jeremy, what does Paul say about it? I'm tired of hearing you talk. That's fine. Let's listen to the credentialed man. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 19. Oh, man. I'll tell you what, the light up here is really good. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. For you do not quench the Spirit. First part of that says rejoice always. I'm going to come to that in just a second. Hold on. Pray without ceasing. Man, that sounds tiring, doesn't it? Pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. It doesn't mean you have to pray all the time. All it's saying is that we need to have an open communication with God. We need to learn through praying or anything else, that any time you need to talk to him, it's ready to go. You'd be so good at it that when he needs to talk to you, when the Spirit says, GPS says, hey, turn right, go pray. Something's going on in your life. You need to pray about it. You do that. You can, anytime. I got, uh, it actually works, I'll tell you. This is the reason why it's in here. After that class and after through, man, I don't know how many years of being up here I had to go through to get this right. Finally, I got to the place where I realized if I want to talk to God, I just got to talk to him. He's right there all the time. So open your mouth and say something. It doesn't have to be dear Lord, which is a, I mean, that's a good thing, but 
You can just speak to him anytime. He's, a, he's your friend. He's your father. Just like he was right here. So the be thankful part, the first part, let's look at that real quick because that's, that's, the, that's the kicker. That's where the good stuff starts happening. You know how many thoughts you think a minute? Any idea? 35 to 48. That's a lot, right? I don't know who came up with that. I just read it somewhere. But 35 to 48 thoughts a minute. How many of those are negative? I'm asking you. I don't know. I mean, you can't quantify that. I have no idea. I'd say a lot of them are negative, right? Scientists have finally caught up with the Bible because the Bible has been telling us this for years. Negative thoughts are killing us. They are now tying the way you think and negative emotions directly to parts of your body. If you're stressing, your back hurts. If you're depressed, your hips hurt. And it also goes into disease. We are literally thinking ourselves to death. All right, well, that's a lot of good stuff telling us that we need to stop being negative. We know that. That's why we're here. All right. Keep listening. See, there's a cycle. You're either cycling up or you're spiraling down. You can't be in the middle. There's no middle. The only time you're in the middle is when you're going through it. You're either going up or going down. And this is how that works. Thoughts lead to emotions, which lead to actions. Let me show you what that, what that looks like. So you're at work, or let's just use me. How about that? I wasn't planning on doing that. But we'll do it, because I'm up here. I was at work. You know, boss comes in and says, Jeremy, I know you worked a month and a half straight. I know your anniversary's this weekend, but I need you to work. Mm. Immediately, I start having ne negative thoughts. Immediately. Those negative thoughts lead to negative emotions. Anger. Sadness. Depression. i got to go home and tell my wife we can't go to this whatever we we're going to do, probably go feed the farm animals or something. I mean, that's just what we do now, but I got to go home and tell her that. So I walk in the door and this wouldn't be our house. Cause I'm not this guy. She is this person, not me. Shoes are out or something. I don't know. Something you walk in, something's not right. You're already ticked off. So out of your mouth comes something that you cannot take back that you wish you could. You say something negative. Guess what that does to her? causes a negative thought, causes a negative emotion, which goes into her kid, says something. Guess what that does to him? Causes a negative thought, causes a negative emotion, causes a negative action. You see where I'm going with this, right? It's a cycle. It catches all of us. It catches all of you. But look at what happens. This is where it gets good. This is the how-to, okay? This is the how-to, right? Start using that GPS. That Holy Spirit starts talking to you. You start praying. That will of God starts lining up. Spirit of love casts out the spirit of fear. Guess what? Positive thought comes in your head. That love gives you a positive thought. You come home. You were ticked off. You fasted and prayed on the way home. I turned that radio off, started praying. Say, God, please help me. I've got to find something. I've got some, some way to deal with this. Come in the door. Guess what? Instead of a negative thought, I went and got flowers. I said something sweet when I walked in the door. I love you. You're beautiful. Happy anniversary. Sorry, I can't go anywhere, but here's some flowers. <laughs> that causes a positive thought in her. That's my man. My man loves me. She goes into her kid who normally she'd be like, clean up your room or something. Be like, positive thought. Positive emotion brings a positive action to your kid. That kid goes to school. 
All right. This is where it gets really good. Talks to a teacher, positive thought, positive emotion, positive action. Goes home, goes to the principal, goes somewhere. More of that. You see where this is going, right? You start cycling up. You start cycling everybody up. The negativity is killing us. Replace it with positivity. That's how you build your family. That's how you build your community. That's what's in our mission statement. All right? That's number two. So GPS to praying, line that will up, start doing positive things. Tornado, what? Positive tornado. Hashtag positive tornado. That's good stuff, right? Come on. That is the how-to. That is the how-to of what you need to do. This is what you do to get rid of the worry and the stress and the anxiety. And you cannot do it alone. You have to have God's help. The God help book right here, the tool. You have to use this. Okay? Without this, we're hosed, man. Without God, we cannot do it. You cannot do it by yourself. Positive thoughts. God help tool number three. Trust in the will of God. I don't have time to read it because I, man, this went by fast. Let me tell you something. You may not feel like it, but up here it feels like it went by really fast. I'm just going to tell you what happened. Earlier in Corinthians, you can throw that verse up there. Earlier in Corinthians, or right after Paul said all that stuff he went through, he said, Lord, I don't want to go through this. Take this stuff from me. Three times. God said, no, not going to do it. You know why? Because in those places, when I put you in those places, I could use you more than I can use you when you weren't in those places. Sometimes the Spirit of God will lead us into places we don't want to be. You might be in a job you don't want to be in, but the Lord needs you in that spot, in that moment. You have to trust in the will of God. I wish somebody would have told me that when I was going through stuff with my dad. See, that lasted about seven years. I didn't tell you the rest of the story. I'm going to tell you right now. We went through every up and down you can think of. He was good. He was bad. He was getting better. He wasn't better. And about halfway through that time, my dad said, I'm done. And I'm finished. I can't handle this chemo anymore. It, it is not worth the life I have to live to take it. So my mom and him went like totally opposite. Started living as healthy as they could. I started calling her like the voodoo princess because she was doing stuff I've never even heard of. Crazy stuff. And you know what? He got better. He got better. Got his hair back. Got his color back. Got a little bit of weight back. Started playing golf again. Took him fishing. He got better. And then one day, a lump come up on his neck. 2001. I think it was in April. April 2001. A lump come up. Mom said, you need to go get, check, get that checked out. Because he hasn't been to a doctor since he quit. Went to the doctor. Came home family meeting would come in. Just like I was 15 back in that moment, my mom said, stage four. They told us to get his stuff ready. And right immediately again, I was angry. Angry with God. How could you do this? Because I didn't know all this stuff. I didn't know how to handle this. Probably wouldn't have mattered anyway in that moment. That's okay. May 19th, a month before my birthday, my 21st birthday, he died. Let me tell you something. <laughs> this is where it gets good. A week before he died, he was in a coma, pretty much. 
He was about 75 pounds. I was carrying him around. He had a twin sister, my Aunt Janice. She came over, was pretty much saying goodbye. And he woke up from a coma. Reached up. He was in the hospital bed beside his dresser. Reached up, grabbed a Bible, led her to the Lord, and then went back to sleep and never woke up again. I miss my dad every day. Every day I have to think, what would my life be like with him in it right now? Would he be proud of me? What would he say to me? Well, how would he react with, my, with his grandson? But if you think I would trade any second of that for my aunt's place in heaven, you are, there's no way in hell to tell you that. You got to trust in the will of God. It didn't look like that in the moment. I, it wasn't worth it in that moment. But looking at it now, that's how God, if God, if he had to put my dad through all of that, he had to put us through all of that so she could be in heaven, then it has to be worth it. And I told you before in my story that I was running. I was angry for God for a long time. And I was, I was just ticked off. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I had some friends come along beside me and lift me up. And when I finally came off the anger train, I realized it wasn't God's fault. I thought about what happened with my aunt, realized that was the way it had to be, thought about this stuff, and decided I didn't want anybody else to ever feel that way again. I wanted to be able to help people who were going through stuff like that because if that had to happen, for me to go through that, for me to be up here, then that's what had to happen. And I went to seminary. I quit running. And I came back to God. Number three, you got to trust in the will of God. Even if you're in a place you don't want to be, he knows what's going on. Now, when I started this story, I told you about what happened in the beginning with the father-child relationship. Luckily for us, that's not where that story ends either. See, God could not stand for that to, relationship to be broken. So he sent his son to fix it. And his son lived a perfect life for 33 years, had a great ministry, and then we put him on a cross. And the Bible says that he went through more pain than anybody. And I had to think about this. How does this relate to us? I had to think about how this story relates to what we're talking about. Because we've all been through physical pain. We've been hurt. Surgeries. I've had two of them on my knee, collarbone, wrist, ankles, all kind of stuff. But it never compared to losing my dad. Not for one second. I'll go through all of that again and more to not have to do that. It said Jesus was beaten so bad, was marred so bad you couldn't recognize him. But that wasn't the pain. That was stuff other people had gone through. See, on that cross, he took everything Every sin we've ever had, he took it. All that worry, that stress, that anxiety, that depression. He took it all. Think about your stuff. Just your stuff. From now until you die, he took that. All the bad stuff, all the really bad stuff, he felt that. That stuff that just happened in Las Vegas, he paid for that. That coward. He took that. He had to feel that all at once. 
And then because he was so filled with sin, the father turned his back on him because he couldn't look at him. I get that. I get how he felt right then. I have no idea what it felt like to have everything that I have on me and all of your stuff too. But when his father turned his back on him, somebody he had never been apart from, I get that one. He suffered more than anybody has ever suffered. And then he died on that cross. And he went into hell, paid that too. And then in three days, he said, well, I hope, sorry, God says to me one day, and my dad, and what he said to my dad when he got up there, you did a good job. Come on home. That's it. Come on home. Everybody bow your heads. Close your eyes. I told you at the beginning of this, if you didn't have that Holy Spirit, I was going to give you that opportunity. If you don't know what that is, I'm going to give it to you right now. If you want a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, so you have someone to lead you through this life, a GPS, to get rid of that negativity and get into that positive thinking, say this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I know you sent Jesus to this earth to pay for my sins, to die a perfect death, never sinned. Go into a grave and be raised again. Caught up there with you. I confess my sins. Ask the Lord to come into my heart and change my life. Amen.